Welcome back to this week's episode of the Tapping Up Podcast with me, Daryl, and my good friend, Ian. Uh, we're going to switch up a little bit this week. Uh, we've had quite a bit of feedback on uh, previous episodes, uh, certainly the last one. Um, a lot of people want to hear a bit more about UFC, and I think, obviously, with the recent uh, UFC card, very, 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 very good to watch. If you haven't watched it yet, uh, I definitely recommend watching the highlights on that. I think it's a good place to start. Um, Ian? Um, so we're both quite excited about this one. We did a podcast last week, and we did the podcast before the chaos hit. And the man, <laughs> and we'd we'd broken down our own views on the fights. And before you knew it, we had three new fights, mainly caused by um, Kimaev uh, missing weight by a horrendous amount. I think it was seven and a half pounds, yeah. not nine pounds. Big, big, um, huge weight cut. And I think you could argue, did it make a more on paper, um, watchable and even fight in Diaz-Ferguson. I think a lot of people thought Kimaev would roll through Diaz. I said to you, I think, on the podcast, I want, you know, he's, he, he's spoiled plenty of people's bets and predictions before. And actually, we're going to come on to it. But the way it played out, I think you could argue Diaz had, would have had a better chance than people most think because the moment that Ferguson tried to take Diaz down... Um, he locked in the guillotine if, and Kamayev I've never seen a quicker takedown in my whole life like one second and he launched at, at Holland um, yeah. but yeah we'll, we'll, come on, we'll come on to that I think we said so we're going to maybe start with looking at the top three in terms of the fight so yeah. the third fight was um, the Leech versus D-Rod again this was a, a rejigged fight um, what were your thoughts? Uh, first thought is I'm definitely happy that you're using um, nicknames for this because I definitely am not going to try and pronounce the names. Um, no other way to sum it up. Robbery? Absolutely. I mean, I, this is the, the first time I've been really excited about a card for a while. Um, I got up at three in the morning to watch this one UK time, so a bit of a muppet. Um, I, I, I thought you were up as well, seeing as I see you've been say. on WhatsApp at five to four. So I texted you, oh, are you up, are you? I didn't think you'd be up. No response. So I he just had a quick roll over in bed and checked his messages. But um, my initial point, particularly watching the build-up to this one, which was was good, was um, it was quite interesting to see the, the replays of D-Rod highlights. That motherfucker is spending a lot of money on tattoos. I don't know if you've noticed it, but over the course of his UFC career, he's gone from hardly any tattoos to fully tatted all over, complete back, body, face, which was my first point of how much money has he got in tattoos. But it was a daylight robbery. 3-0 to me for the leech. If he's spending some of the money on tattoos, the rest of the money is probably going to judges on this. I, I mean... Again, because I was a bit excited about this one, and I'm going to admit, I'm being a bit of a muppet here, because I was up early, um, I made I made a few notes on this one. So, um, he D Rod, a renowned for his power, landed over fifty headshots on the leech. I don't know if you saw by the end. Didn't even have a mark on his face. That it, that is a tough, tough man. Um, uh, he, he took his loss like a champ. He didn't. He has come out afterwards, admittedly, and said that he felt it was a robbery. But absolutely horrendous decision for me. I mean. At, at worst, it was 2-1 in rounds. Personally, I had it 3-0 for the leech to me. But yeah, I think that was a, the definition of a robbery. Uh, I don't know how regularly you read MMAfighting.com, but they have a, a maybe a monthly se- segment called Rob, uh, Robbery of the Week, where they talk about how egregious a result can be. That one has got to be on there coming up soon. It was horrendous. The last time I watched... Um, I'm just going to say Lee. The last time I watched Lee uh, fight was... Funnily enough, Kimaev, um, I think it was when he was his tap out in first round a few months ago, I think now. Um, so that was the last time I watched him. Didn't see his last fight going up to or leading into this. But um, as you said, didn't watch it live, got up and watched the highlights and in fact watched the full fight, um, streamed it afterwards. And yeah, there's no. It's, it's one of these, and this is one of the reasons that I get so frustrated with boxing because boxing's far worse in this aspect and you don't see it as much in UFC it seems to be creeping in a little bit more um, unfortunately but there's just no way watching that and you know me I, I'm not as big of an expert at you know the MMA and UFC as you are and while I'm into it I'm nowhere near as into it as, as much as you are but even watching it as what I would call casual it, there's, just, there's just no way that he could have possibly lost that fight 
it is so, so horrendous that not only did he lose it, did he get one round, I think, on the scorecards? 2-1, I think, yeah. all three judges gave us. Yeah, it annoys me, stuff like this, and it, it was that famous um, Accrington Stanley manager, I always forget his name, who came out and just said, I'm falling out of love with football. And it's just one of those, you watch sport and stuff like this happens, and what... What's the got, point? I think you touched on it with the judges. For me, it felt a bit like uh, the home fighter always wins. Yeah. America versus China. Don't think that any of the judges was going to necessarily give it to the leech. Uh, one little technical point, or two points I'd just make as well. I thought, fair play to the, to the leech to start with. He was the biggest loser in the change-up. Didn't bat an eyelid at fighting someone who weighed in £10 heavier on the day and probably was maybe £25 heavier on the night. So... That's a that's a fighter. That's ballsy. Really technical point that I was watching because it really annoys me. And the leech did it about three times where he would throw a low kick. D Rod would move back, and because he missed, he would spin to carry on through. You're basically, I know, I appreciate it's only a very split second, but you're turning your back on a fighter. He did it. I think it was in the second round three times, and one time he got a punch on the back of the head and wobbled a bit. Don't turn your back on someone in a fight. I mean, that's, that's a schoolboy error, and, and you see it more and more, these kicks that appreciate they're giving it full welly and full effort. It's hard to pull back, but I, it drives me mad when I see fighters doing that. It, I, I think it's um, something that the corner should be picking up to him, and the trainer's saying, look, don't do this. And as you say, he didn't get caught with it, got wobbled a little bit. Um, but good fight, good fight. And I say, that, 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 that's, a, that's a warrior. He was prepared to do that. In terms of, so just highlighting the point that you made there, in terms of energy that you expend, assuming you're going to do that every single time, so you try to kick and you go all the way through and spin round, in your opinion, how much extra energy is that expending in just doing it? Because it's only a small action, but if you're following through on every single kick, doing a full-on spin, it's got to take some out of you. A little bit. Uh, I mean... Weirdly, you've made a, a point that I had made in my notes in terms of, uh, I'm trying to not segue on here, but it feels <laughs> inevitable to the Kamaya fight, is that's expending energy. From the very first second, he flew at him, took him down. He was all over him. I'd love to have known if Holland was a bit more durable, how Kimaev would have done in terms of emptying the gas tank. He went full bore for him immediately and... A bit of a conspiracy theory type point here. Kamaev is well known. He was hospitalised twice with COVID. He's that tough. He just trained through COVID. Uh, COVID. You talk about long COVID, the impact on someone's uh, potentially uh, immune system and general fatigue that I, I read about for people with long COVID, in inverted commas. Uh, if, if Holland had lasted that first round, I think Kamaev would have been absolutely drained. So... It was a good job he got the fight done as quickly as he did because I think he would have been fucked if it had gone into the second or third round. He'd have been tired. And someone, again, like Diaz, never gets tired and would have potentially capitalised on that. So I'll be honest, I thought Kamaev, as much as he was incredibly brutal and absolutely smashed him, and this is considering he's a, Holland is a good black belt and he absolutely got scored and subbed, it showed holes. So anyone for me facing Kamayev, there's a game plan there. Let him empty his gas tank, try and keep him keep him off you, if that's easier said than done, um, and let him empty the gas tank. And you could, particularly in a five-round fight, what's he got left in, in rounds four and five? Yeah, I mean, just touching on that, is, was it not sign of a, either, that obviously wants to put a statement out there and get in the fight finished quickly? Is it not a massive sign of disrespect? to go in at someone like that it completely is and that was a point made I think by either Rogan or Cormier in the commentary I think it was it was Cormier who I find very insightful really good ex-fighter who gives those points and he basically said exactly that he just said it showed complete lack of respect um, uh, you know that it, you only do that if you know you're going to run through someone and I think his exact words were uh, he took him down easier than I'd take down Dana White. I thought that was that, that was a brilliant uh, a point. But um, again, coming back to the stats, because I know we like our, our stats and they can be, you know, they can be quite insightful. It's the fourth UFC fight out of seven for Kamaev that he's not even got hit once. That's crazy. Which is ludicrous, isn't it? Really crazy. I mean, in that fight, it, they were 
they looked very, very poles apart, and it was a pretty slick, as you say, for someone, I th I'm pretty sure Kamaev is a black belt, I mean, he's an incredible wrestler, probably just short of Olympic level wrestling, but that was a nice submission, Darce chokes are not easy to get, they're quite a technical one, you don't even learn Darces until you're a blue or a purple belt, there's no white belts that are popping out Darce chokes on people, so, um, just before we end up segueing inevitably into the main event, because I know that you're absolutely itching to speak about this, did you read that, um, and on the subject that you were just talking about there, Leon Edwards has just become a black belt? Uh, I didn't, actually. Yeah, um, um, so I think it was yesterday that he posted a picture of it, so he's just become a black belt. It's not uncommon in the UFC that when someone has a real statement win, I mean, that is the only thing with jiu-jitsu is there's no... Uh, maybe other martial arts there's a bit more of a a well-trodden path in terms of getting belts and achievements jiu-jitsu is very much how your sensei feels that you you are doing and it's not uncommon for someone like that to be give you know, have a good fight show some good skills and be given their black belt um good for him i, I mean again not a bad few weeks it's a sweet few weeks and again for anyone that doesn't quite appreciate and hasn't done jiu-jitsu and i only did it for 18 months, two years, and just got short of just uh, doing my blue belt. I think the quickest ever black belt given across the world was to BJ Penn, who is a phenomenon in three years. The average for a black belt is eight to ten years. That is grind. You are putting in your time. You are a student of martial arts if you get a black belt in jiu-jitsu. That is not an easy feat, so... Hats off to, to Leon, that is a fantastic achievement. And again, some people might say, oh, I've got a black belt. That goes up there for me. I mean, I, I put nearly, probably nearly getting my blue belt up and put some of the top achievements of my life, um, despite jobs, qualifications and things like that. So fair play to him, that, that's a, a fucking effort. And particularly for an English guy, because you don't get good scores of jiu-jitsu over here. You've got Roger Gracie in London, who one of the top three grapplers ever, he dishes out, you know, he, you're going to be quality if you're getting off uh, a black belt off of him, but really impressive achievement, well done Leon. I won't keep you from talking about it any longer, because I can see it on your face that you're absolutely desperate to talk about this, so... I get childishly excited, but that's too good, I mean, who didn't want to, if you watched that fight, even if you're a casual fan, watch Diaz Ferguson, that is two old school veterans knowing how to have a fight that putting on a show for the crowd you had my own view Ferguson fucked himself he was having a huge amount of success with those savage leg kicks I think they, they pulled up a stat again at one point when before it just uh, he got the sub in the fourth round it hit him with 29 significant leg hits I mean I'm telling you they didn't show it and I, I haven't seen this Diaz was not walking for about a week after that his leg would have been absolutely battered and he he uh, had the blueprint for, for, for success. I think if Ferguson had carried on kicking his way for the rest of the fight, he might have won. Strangely, in between the four, third and the fourth round, the corner, and they showed you, said to, to him, take him down. What happened was Diaz actually had a good round, wobbled Ferguson a bit. He did a bit of a desperate takedown, which was ultimately super foolish. I mean, again, Diaz is a super high-level Caesar Gracie black belt. That Again, that's the peak of the peak in jiu-jitsu. Whack, straight on a guillotine, choked him out within like four or five seconds. So Ferguson was the architect of his own downfall there. If he carried on with those leg kicks, it could have easily gone a different way. But fucking I mean, great fight. I thought he was going to quit at one point, Diaz, um, with the kicks. It's just, it's just as the, the weird... I mean, it's, it's, obviously it's Diaz, isn't it? So it's, it's exactly the sort of behaviour that you expect from him, but... Just walking off at one point, it's like, nah, I'm done here. There's a couple of times again where I've said, never turn your back. Diaz is probably the exception. He's clowning <laughs> he and put his hands off. against the cage, resting up there. Kind of, as you said, there was a, I totally agree. There was one point where he took a particular lick and he literally looked like that. I'm done. I can't carry on. And then was jumping back in for the fight. So, um, yeah, one of, definitely one of the best um, fights I've seen in a long time. And um, in a sad way, I was really pleased I got up for it. Worth the effort at five in the morning to watch that one. But anyone as, as a casual fan, if you need a fight to kind of fight that hooks you into MMA and gets you into it, that's a perfect example. Go and watch that fight on, on YouTube or even the highlights. But um, Diaz has now left the UFC yeah. and gave a bit of a strange speech talking about, I want to conquer other sports. 
come on, just get to the point. You're going to fight Jake Paul. And I know you're going to bring it up <laughs> fucking later, as you always do. But I'll tell you, that's what's going to happen. I think he has now admitted he's going to promote his own MMA show. Okay. Uh, start his own promotion, probably with his brother, um, Nick. But it feels a bit pointless. He'll fight Jake Paul. Let me just cross out Diaz versus Jake Paul on my list here. Just and again, to... he fucks Jake Paul up in a boxing match. Easy, makes a load of money, and he did say, I might come back. And actually, for a change, Dana, who's never been his um, most, um, his favourite fighter, said, this is his house. Anytime he wants to come back, he helped build this, come on back. So I can't help, I'll tell you now, I'm going to make a prediction for you. He makes a shitload of money and beats the fuck out of Jake Paul. Comes back to the UFC for a trilogy with McGregor. There's I can the, see that. There's 20 yeah. mil, if not between 20 and 50 mil, easy. Bang. Two fights, done. I'm going to make another prediction. He goes to fight Jake Paul, gets knocked out, ends his career, never fights again. Now you're sounding like a real casual fan <laughs> that knows jack shit about fighting. But um, again, that might not happen because I'm telling you my boy Anderson Silva is going to fuck up Jake Paul before we've talked about it briefly this is just going to show you how sad I am I've probably only ever had in the last 15 years three screensavers on my phone sadly not a single one has ever been my missus or family the first one was Anderson Silva second one was Conor McGregor holding both belts my current screensaver is a picture as you've seen of the bad motherfucker belt in the UFC so for the last 15 years, that I am one of the biggest Anderson Silva fans. It will crush me a little bit inside if he loses. And I'm not sure I'll be able to take how smug you will be if Jake Paul does beat him. Okay, so I mean, I've just admitted I, that to you. Just to get this out there, I'm not a Jake Paul fan. I don't want anyone listening to this to think, is that guy actually like Jake Paul? How old is it? Um, you revel in the fact that I hate him. Yeah, absolutely. I, I literally couldn't care less about Jake Paul. But if he does spark out Anderson Silva, I feel like not only will the week that that happens or the the week after that happens just involve you being quiet all week, which would be a massive shock. Um, I also think that it might kill you inside. And it's always a bit funny to see that. Just someone die inside over the hero getting beat by some weird YouTuber with a beard. It would kill me because I I, I love Anderson Silva. I still do. I I mean, he... He fought too long in the UFC. He should have quit when he was ahead and he would have had the most phenomenal record. But I... Top three... Possibly, I say top three, I'm going to backtrack then. But for me, he's in the top five, definitely, of my my sporting heroes of all time with Jordan and Tyson Easy. I absolutely love Anderson Silva. And that does show how much you love him because I'm pretty sure I haven't heard someone talk about Johnson and uh, Mike Tyson more than you in my life. So... Um, but yeah, uh, just before we segue on to boxing, we've got a fight night this weekend. Um, so we've got Sandhagen and Yudong is the, the main event of that. Good fight. Um, I'll be honest, we've got a lot going on at the moment. Generally, that snuck under the radar till we were just talking before. That's a good fight. The, the UFC fight nights for me are usually dog shit with just one fight that holds the whole card up. Particularly made to the... I, I enjoy all the fights, I can't deny. But for the, particularly for the average fan... You usually get one good fight or a big name fight. Sandhaven and Dodong are not two massive names, but they're both top ten bantamweights. That's a that's a decent fight. That um, Sandhaven, I wouldn't call him a gatekeeper, but he's only lost to the elite of the elite. He's pretty good, um, tough one to call. Pretty good fight. Haven't really looked down the rest of the card. Oh, I'll well, probably goes... watch it. I maybe definitely won't be getting up for that one. That will be yeah. uh, watch it uh, on Sunday uh, or Monday, but. Um, yeah, I've got what just before we I've got one we'll come back to you, but one other point before we move on as well um, about UFC. But Go on. Um, so, had you seen just to give the news that this is about um, Project Rock? I mean, do you even know what that is? Because I didn't until earlier this week. So, is is it something to do with Dwayne Johnson? It is. So oh, is it actually? It, as it is, Project <laughs> Rock is Dwayne Johnson's. How do I get this correct? Sub brand of Under Armour shoes. And they've just become the official... This is when you know the UFC is getting out of control. They've just become the official shoe apparel of the UFC. So that will mean all the fighters have to wear Project Rock shoes like they do. During the, the fight? Uh, the Venom. It used to be Reebok. Now it's Venom. So like uh, obviously to the basically on the walkout. If right, they have to be seen it. on fight week and things in these stupid trainers, Project Rock. 
and it's made a big splash because at least under the apparel deal, again, for, any, for casual fans, four, five, six, maybe even ten years ago, uh, UFC, they could, fighters could wear whatever they want. They could have their own sponsors and they made a lot of money out of that. Reebok then came in and basically they said you can only wear Reebok um, shorts, tops, things, etc. And they uh, massive sponsorship deal to the Reebok to pay in the UFC. The fighters got a really small sum. That's now moved again in terms of as sponsorships do. It's now a company called Venom. You can only wear Venom clothing, but they have to wear these Project Rock shoes. Where I say it got the, 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 the problem this week is they're not getting paid, the fighters, <laughs> to wear these shoes. And I saw three or four fighters reach out on social media to Dwayne The Rock Johnson and say, come on, bro, you're, you, you say here you're behind the fighters, you chime in on the UFC when it's there, and you're not even paying us. So a few people have called him out, and I'd be interested to see, given he's a king multi-billionaire or whatever he's got, if he comes out and makes a statement and says, yeah... I'll do this out of my own pocket or make some publicity stunt. But yeah, not related to the UFC, but just an interesting thing that I thought uh, we'll see. As I say, I hadn't seen him reply. I only clocked this. This came out yesterday. So relatively new, but we'll, uh, you're more of a, the man that feeds me what's going on on social media. But that might be one to keep an eye out if The Rock is responding to anyone and kind of saying, yeah, OK, I'll pay you a percentage of the money or whatever. Well, never mind that. I'll have to go buy some... Uh... Project Rock trainers. I bet they look dog shit. <laughs> it'll be like every other big branded name of anything clothing wise, and it'll cost about 200, 300 quid. It'll be a piece of shit. It'll be like, um, what's, oh God, Yeezys? Uh-huh. Are they the Kanye West that's ones? The ones. Oh, that's Let's be fair, they're no, they're no Air Jordans, are they? <laughs> that, that's the, the benchmark for shoes and branding by a sportsman is your Air Jordans. Still, 30 years after they came out, still going strong, making Jordan. Billions. So, we were going to say we looked up, didn't we, on um, the list the other day about who was the richest sportsman of all time. Like, I, I think I was wrong one, because I thought yeah. I said there were three billionaires, which I thought was Tiger Woods, Jordan. Depends what you categorise a billionaire as, because obviously there's quite a few American billionaires, but not necessarily a, a UK. But billionaire. again, because I'm a bit of a Jordan gimp, he was my hero as a kid, That he made so much more money from... Uh, Nike than he'd done ever through his basketball career and he got a really good deal because they never envisaged how much how popular they would be I mean they started off as just one pair of trainers as a, I remember they were white and red I think like showing my age here because that's the colour of his ball shirt matched the Chicago Bulls now there's probably a fucking hundred different ones you can get tops you can get clothes they've got a whole sub brand and it feels to me exactly this Project Rock is the rock trying to capitalise and do the same. Well, I've just written down there because if there isn't a better name of an episode than uh, Jordan Gimp, then I'm yet to find it. So that's definitely what we're calling this one. Um, yeah, move on to football, I guess. We've quite a lot to talk about. Um, not as much to talk about for us this week, so we'll, we'll branch out quite significantly, I think. Um, obviously, <laughs> don't... I actually know when the next Leeds game is. I think we're not until October now. Um, obviously, you've still got the, the Champions League, and we'll, we'll come on to the Champions League. Um, a few different subjects to talk about. So, we'll start with the England squad, just because we've got it in front of us. Um, the main highlight here is Ivan Tony getting his first call-up. Um, quite a lot of defenders on this list, I must say. Um, my biggest omission, I'm going to come out and say it immediately, and yes, this is Leeds bias, I cannot believe that Jack Harrison hasn't got into this team. He's got better stats than um, Bowen, definitely this season. Bowen's been a shadow of his former self, obviously. He's almost certainly going to come back into it, and I appreciate that. Um, Jack Grealish, he's not even really playing anymore. Uh, he's just sitting on bench and just doing what needs to be done every so often for, for Pep. Um, Saka, he's got better stats than Saka this season. So you cannot tell me... And this is something that Southgate came out and said a few uh, months back. We we don't pick on um, merit, oh, pick on names. Sorry, we pick on merit and pick on form. Bollocks, because I, Jack Harrison would be in that team. Well, I fucking will tell you, but I totally disagree on this one. We'll have to do disagree because I I remember in the summer when was it Newcastle were looking to buy him. Yeah, I'm not even a Leeds fan, and if you got offered, they offered thirty mil, I'd have offered driving myself to Newcastle to get you that fucking money. Madness, because I think he's dog shit. He's not as bad as Dan James. Dog, Dog shit's probably harsh. Oh. I mean, he's got three assists. I think the top assists in the league is four with from uh, De Bruyne. So I hear what you're saying stats-wise. 
we could all make stats fit the pair. I, I've never been impressed with you watching week in, week out, so I will have to ultimately backtrack and devolve to your opinion. But does he deserve it maybe on the stats compared to some of those other players in there, like Grealish? Well, I'm not denying it, but shouldn't even get near the fucking England squad for me. So why have they put Ivan Tony in? If, if on the back of a hat-trick about... against oh, Leeds, oh, I think. <laughs> Fell into that, didn't I? If we're talking about merit and pure merit, Completely agree with Ivan Tony getting a call up. Why is and we can go through this and obviously inevitably we'll end up going through this. Jack Grealish, Calvin fucking Phillips, and we'll come back to that definitely. It shouldn't be any Harry Maguire. He's not even playing for his team. There are so many Ben Chilwell, who's not going to play again this season for Chelsea because he's going to get left at bench because of uh, Cucurella and um, Trent. Potter. How the fuck is Trent, Trent in there having the worst? <laughs> again, we get too repetitive. How on earth is he in there? Um, I mean, anything I was going to say there, I feel like I've hit a bit of a nerve here talking about that. I can feel from you some of the anger and aggression that you get from me with the YouTube boxing, so we might have to come back to this each week. Where's, how's, where's Jack Harrison doing? Basically, let's never talk about the England squad after this episode because international break is awful and everyone wants it to end when it comes around. Especially considering we were looking the other day, weren't we? We were bottom at table. I completely forgot that we're absolutely terrible in Nations League. With Hungary top <laughs> over Germany and Italy, I mean, it's a fucked it. It's been a fucked up year. Waste time. But... It's just overgrown friendlies in it. Or oh, totally. Uh, we but... definitely can agree on that. But I mean, Trent, what the fuck is he doing? Even anywhere near that team? I'll be honest with you. Harrison should be in above Trent. Yeah. <laughs> even as much as I've just said, that's Harrison how shit. Right back. Easy. I put me at right back <laughs> rather than fucking Trent. And I'm telling Steady you. Steady on. Like this. No, absolutely. I can tell you. I could defend. That's where I used to play right back. I could defend better than Trent. I guarantee it. I tell you the sleeper in the team. We had a discussion this on the side note and we won't bring that up for me that we hadn't discussed in our discussion. Tamori. I know you, you rate him and you've mentioned oh, it before. Yeah. He's, he's in. But we were talking about should maybe probably Dyer be playing on form that a lot of people would have said No. You know fucking Southgate's going to put Maguire in and he shouldn't be anywhere near it. Tamori, for me, would be a shout to be playing because he's he's done well for AC. I'm just looking through this again. What? Connor Cody? He's been shite for Everton. I'm not having him in... I hate this. How how many right-backs have we got? Trent (laughs) Trippier, Carl Walker, John Stones can play there, Rhys James, that's like four to five right-backs. What a waste of time. How many do you have? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven... 9, 10, 11, 12. 28 man squad, I think, wouldn't it? Five 12, midfielders. 12 defenders. We've got two more midfielders than we've got goalkeepers. <laughs> Someone needs to up shoot Southgate and give up that. I mean, a random one, and we're going off on an offshoot here. What about Sean Dice, England manager? Free at the job at the moment? You're looking at me like I'm a fucking madman. And, yeah, because that's what we need, England. Uh, we need... Fucking the second coming of Sam Allardyce, who for the but we've literally just got back into a position where there is some semblance, and that's quickly fading, admittedly, some semblance of actual football. I'm not sitting there watching gravelly voice shout at the top of his voice to some rat. It'd just be fucking Burnley players. That's all we would get. The most Brexit FC that you'll ever see in your life. I'm not. No, it's definitely a bit out there, and I'm definitely not campaigning for that. I just I'm not. It's too late now. You've said it. You've ruined my weekend. Room with three-day weekend. Jack Harrison's crying at home. Look what you've done. One final point before we move on then just about England, only because, I mean, what's the point in actually hiring someone like hiring, picking someone like Tony when you've got Kane's going to play? The two that you've got to feel sorry for there, again, on form that should be should having a game would be Tony and Abraham. Yeah. Abraham's done really well, it appears to me, from the games I've seen at Roma. Looks like he's become a lot more of a complete player, can play as the focal point, he plays up on uh, on his own for Roma. But if you were a striker for England, you'd be thinking, what's the fucking point? I'm only going to get a few minutes when Harry's off, no matter what Kane does. Now, again, on performances and what he's always done for England, you can't really argue with that. But if we're back to that point on form, you've got to feel a bit sorry for Tony and Abraham because they're not going to get a shout, are they, ever Kane? I agree. And I think Abraham's done really well since going over to Italy. Um, and he definitely deserves a place in the squad. Same as Tony on merit. He's got... Some annoyance segueing very, very swiftly here, so I'm going to try and rein this in. But it were, um, is it Barry Fry is the owner of Peterborough? Correct. But I saw him raving and going mad about how happy he was to see Tony in the team because ultimately they get more money every single time 
there's a promotion for Tony or if you know he scores more goals and all this sort of stuff. I'm just sat there like I, I literally this is football gone mad. I don't want to watch an owner talk about how much money he's making because of a sale of a player that he sold two teams ago, and all because they they picked him. I think come up from Newcastle. They did three hundred thousand. So really cheap. I mean, again, it, what, that's just someone who's got a shitload of money owning a football club, rubbing it in our faces. Oh, that, exactly that. that. He, yeah. He's just making even more money. The only thing I did read, which I didn't know, apparently when Peterborough did sign him, Tony strikes me as one of those guys who's, um, how do we say, not sh- not unconfident of his own abilities. <laughs> I believe when he signed for Peterborough, he was given it the big one that he was good enough to play for England. So well, in some go. ways, I mean, it's come, it's, it's, I think four or five years ago that was, um, and now he's got his call up, but... I think on merit and on the back of a hat trick against you, he's got to be in the he's got to be in the yeah, squad, even if he's for, not going to play. Thanks for mentioning that for the second first time half hat trick as well, wasn't it? Yeah, again, well, <laughs> no, it won't even, anyway. Right, so we'll move swiftly on because only because I saw this one. This is a really weird point. I've just got to mention just because we we're talking about Tony. It's not hat trick against Leeds. Is it, no, 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 it's not completely not, and I'm not rubbing it in to be smug here. <laughs> Did you see what um, the uh, Brentford boss said about Tony? That he's the best penalty taker in oh. the world. 18 out of 18 for Brentford. Um, and let's be fair, that's an area where England struggle is penalty. So I've got, I read that and I was like, well, actually, there's some sense in having in the squad. But yeah, best penalty taker in the world? No, I'm not taking any advice or any opinions from a guy that looks like a long haired version of Willem Dafoe. So um, yeah, we'll move swiftly on. But segueing on from this, because I, I did want to mention this to you. And I didn't want to talk about him. Obviously, he's got his call up. He deserves to be starting in that England squad. Whether he will do or not is a completely different matter. And it's up to Southgate. Jude Bellingham. Like, one of the first names on the team sheet for me, the way he's playing. Yeah. He's only young, and let's not get carried away. And I'm incredibly hopeful that Liverpool will, will sign him. But he's looking sensational. Looking fucking brilliant. brilliant. Literally, one in that midfield there, undoubtedly the first name on the team sheet for me. Haaland... Stole obviously all the um, plaudits from the City Dortmund game midweek. Benham um, was man of the match. Were he? He was. Oh yeah. Well, deservedly so. Just going to say, I thought he were absolutely outstanding. Really, yep. really good. Obviously, scored his goal. Took it really well. He, he just looks a complete player at this early age. Nineteen. So, yeah. So he's going to get better. And he's going to get better. And he's going to get better. And I think one of the things that we've said before, obviously Liverpool are absolutely desperate to sign him. Real Madrid have been linked and they keep getting linked. If they keep going the way they're doing and if he keeps playing the way he's going to do it, a player, I can see him going Madrid. He strikes me as a very... The other thing I like about him, he seems quite grounded and a sensible kid. Probably got a good support network uh, around him. Again, as much as Real is Real and there's always that pull, they are not short of young quality midfielders. Mm-hmm. Um Tuchemeni, uh, you know, Kamavinga. On a side note, don't know if you saw the goal at the weekend from that Valverde, yeah. screamer. Yeah. He's, again, another young player. So does he kind of, I mean, the way he's going, you'd still put him in the team. But I fear for Liverpool's chances, the, the way he's continuing to play, unless we wrap this up quick, we might lose the chance, particularly with our form and the way that we could end the season. City might come in for him, something, you know, some, some other bigger team, but he looks the real deal. So, this is one thing, and I know that you're really worried about City. I don't see City going for him, and I, I get that this They go for everyone. They go for everyone. You know, case in point, Calvin Phillips, who gets another two minutes at the 93rd minute substitution. What a waste of a career that's looking like. But Bellingham, as you said, looks like a sort of younger kid who has his head switched on, and whether that's to do with his own mentality, which I'm sure it is, and it's evidence in how he's been playing and the skills that he's shown at his young age or it's to do with the people that he surround himself with. Either way, it's working for him. And you get, every so often, you get these younger kids. Um, Haaland is obviously a perfect example of it. Builds his way, his way up. And yes, he seems like he's been around ages. He's still only young. He's still going to get better and better, which is scary. But has done it the exact right way. He's made the step up gradually and then got his big move to uh, Manchester City. Gardevoir, who we've mentioned before on the podcast and talked about before as well, has done exactly the same. Uh, he seems to have his head screwed on right. The the big one for me is when Leeds went for him uh, a couple of summers ago and he said, look, I'm not ready for a Premier League. That is such a good indication that that player is then going to have the mentality to go on to do bigger things if they're confident in their own ability but also level-headed. 
unlike someone, I'm going to say Mbappe, that's a, it's a bad example because he's overconfident, but clearly has it to, to back it up. Um, but you get a lot of players. Um, Harvey Elliott, maybe. Obviously, I don't know the ins and outs. Carvalho, that's a, a good example. So Carvalho looks to be quite confident in himself. Still at an early age, has moved up substantially at an early point of his career. Whether that's going to work for him or not, it's still to be seen. It might be a fantastic move. But I always worry for players like that in the sense that if they're not successful in the first season, they then drop off, they then get a lower league loan or a league to a, a loan to a, a team lower in the division or abroad, and then the career tails off a little bit. And it takes a lot to then rebuild that back up. So, yeah, Bellingham, I think he's going to go all the way to the top. I still don't see him going to City. I think he, he's level-headed enough to say, I could go to uh, Manchester City, but I might not start. I could go to Real Madrid and be successful there, but I might not start. If I go to Liverpool, I'm starting every week because I can see the other people that they've got. I can see that they've got ageing players. You know, you've know, you got Henderson, who's, who's on his way out. Milner's not going to be there for much longer. I'll get a starting position in that team and they'll just develop and develop and develop. And if you want a bigger move in the future, depending on obviously what happens with Liverpool, whether... You keep on this weird slide that you're on at the moment, which I don't think will last. Or you get back to the position where you were, where you're challenging for your titles, challenging for uh, the Cups, and then he stays a bit longer. And I just think that he is one of these players that is a, a proper phenomenon. I think he's slept on because of the fact that he doesn't grab as many headlines as your Haaland and as your Mbappes. Totally agree. And I mean, not strictly related to football, and I don't necessarily know this is the case, Brendan, but as a side note, I was listening to a podcast recently talking about jiu-jitsu and the young up-and-coming phenoms that there are uh, in, in Brazil and uh, America in jiu-jitsu. And a very experienced jiu-jitsu coach was talking and he said that the, the constant that sets these kids apart and why they are so good is weirdly that they've got really supportive families. Not overbearing parents, not parents trying to take the limelight and get really supportive and always there for them. And it feels very much like Bellingham could be one of those. He's probably got some sensible parents, very supportive family. Obviously, he's hit the big time at a young age. And I wonder if that translates through. But you're right, he seems to either listen to advice very well or he's got a very old head on young shoulders. But yeah. He seems very sensible which in today's society, for someone who's got so much so early in their career, is very, very rare. And again, I think, set, like you say, I completely agree, he's going to be a phenomenon. He's going to be one of the best in the world. Um, Liverpool should get him signed up as soon as they can, no matter 100 mil. Pay Worth it. every penny. Yeah. Um, one thing I wanted to mention, a bit of a curveball here, um, Andy Carroll signing for Reading. It's not massive news these days. Obviously, Reading, lower league club. Uh, I think Andy Carroll played for them last season and I think he's on a free transfer. Have you seen what shirt number he's taken up? No. Number two. So, this gets onto the, the subject of players with ridiculous numbers and your opinion on it. Weird <laughs> one. Um, I mean, as a foot. When I, sadly, played football as a kid, fucking squad numbers didn't exist. I'd always, if I was a footballer, I want the traditional number for my position. Two is right back. Number nine yeah. is up front. That's what I, if I'm Andy Carroll, I want nine. You get people these days that have got weird things like 27, two plus nine, two plus, two plus seven equals nine. You get weird ones like that. Then you get, the, the only time I've ever really seen, you seem to get a lot in Italy that are like, 99 or some ridiculously high number I'm sure you get some really pathetic people that think they're clever when they're young and choose 69 and then realise well, yeah, that's, that's funny for about two minutes and to fucking 14 year old boys but um, I don't know I still so find it funny it's, it's a weird weird one the only thing on that note I always have a I say a lot of love for Carol. I don't really because obviously he played for Liverpool but I can never not he will always to me be inextricably linked to my other hero who makes that top 10 of Luis Suarez because they signed on the same transfer deadline day in 2011 and weirdly it was Carroll that was cost more money and got all the headlines and Suarez swept under the under the radar but stupid number why are you have number two you're not playing right back like that's that I mean who's the right back why hasn't he got that I'd be like what the fuck are you giving my number away for so, so I don't know who plays at Reading's number right back but I'd be fuming taking his number off him um 
apparently one of his kids picked it, who I think were the star in. Who wants to be a right back? <laughs> God knows, God knows. Andy Carroll, um, number two. But yeah, weird one. Um, personally, I'd always pick number 29. So just a lucky number. Um, never wanted to pick sort of like 14, so Thierry Henry or a, a weird number like that. Number two. I, suppose I played right back. I was a shit Gary Neville. Lots of effort, no skill. Um uh, of that type of mould of a player but for me I, I get, I'm old school I want 1 to 11 in the traditional position I'm playing so for him it would be number 9 um, didn't know that and I'd seen that he had gone back to Reading because there was a rumour at one point when uh, Diego Costa's work permit for Wolves was potentially in doubt that Carroll was on a free and he was going to be their backup signing which would have been horrendous I mean Costa's not a great signing hasn't played a professional game since 2021 so, not exactly going to be super match fit, but yeah, I mean, it's all right though because he is definitely going in all my card bets for the weekend. So, he's going to end up winning me a lot of money, hopefully. He's, the only thing is, I would definitely not disagree, but he's going to get very few minutes for the first few games because he's going to be so out of form. So, yeah. he's going to be coming off the bench and not starting. Getting sent off, winning he, me some money, disappearing. Um, Again, I think that's probably more shows Wolves' desperation uh, in terms of needing to get someone in. You've got to feel a bit sorry for him getting that. Um, the lad from Stuttgart paying a lot of money. Debut ban pops his meniscus, I think, or ACL out for ages. I mean, that's pretty unlucky. But, um, yeah, good random point. We're going to say last couple of things on um, football. So we've had the manager of the month announced and the player of the month. Do you know who they both were? I take a wild stab with a player, which is Haaland. Yeah, well, I actually said earlier on you didn't say Haaland, oh, did you? Oh, fuck off. <laughs> didn't need to say that, did you? Um, I mean, it's stupid, isn't it, really? Very obvious that it should have been Haaland. Uh, I can't yeah. Who did I say? Tony. Tony. Which, again, game. I think you just... After what? After his hat-trick. Yeah, um, brilliant, brilliant. He, I mean, he, he, again, if there was a top three, you'd thought Tony, yeah, but Haaland, deservedly so, crazy. Ten goals yeah. in six games, deserved it. He's going to um, win a lot of them this season, I think. Just... What, what haven't we said about this guy already? He's a freak athlete. He's got, again, maybe back to what we, I was just talking about Bellingham. Seems to have good, sensible parents, former his professional dad, players, yeah, his, his dad. Uh... So he's been there, can probably give him a lot of advice. I mean, he's already eclipsed his dad by a long way. To be fair, his dad was a, a shit Dennis Wise. He, he was a bit of a wind-up merchant. He did his defensive midfield duties. He was not a quality player. His son is... It's more golden. famous for anything else than... Um... It's the Roy Keane instance, isn't it? The, the, the bit bad where, challenge. Yeah, where he injured him. Well, the shouting in his face and Roy Keane claiming that he spat on him. Uh, and and where he injured him and then the famously in his book, didn't he, Keane came out and said he that purpose. he did it. But yeah. yeah, he went after him in the next game uh, Brilliant. and played. But, um, manager um, of the month? Pep? No. Brentford's manager? No. You Definitely just, not Jürgen. Oh, you're just saying that Brentford's manager again just because they beat Leeds. What's... I don't. I, don't, I can't remember if the Man U result was also in the same month. That was presumably the previous month. So I just thought if you beat Man U and beat Leeds in a month for someone like Brentford, maybe you're in with a shout. But um, miles more obvious. Are they top of the league at the moment. Atta. Atta. Correct. Um, yeah. So they're your uh, your winners of the awards this week. Uh, this week. This month. Um, just final point. Just because a lot of people have been talking about it. Klopp as. And a bit of a, a Barney about it, because obviously he likes to moan a lot about everything, um, especially when it comes to fixture lists. North v South All-Star game. So this has been brought up by... Um, Chelsea's getting his, Yeah, is it, it Todd Bowie? Bowley? I mean, I was about to say, what are we talking... This is How, how yank does he want to be? I know he is American, but... Oh, where have you got this magical idea from? The NBA, the NFL. It's just commercialising. Massively commercialised. Bollocks. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. Good excuse for a, a game in that respect and probably to get the players that you could together. But I, I, this is England. We're pretty small. America, the size of it, the Eastern Conference, that's where it comes from, is the NFL, the Western Conference, and the NBA, they have the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference All-Star game. Mid-season, it's a bit of a you know uh, an event for sponsors mainly and things like that. Nah, not for me. It's that over-commercialised. Again, it's coming from a yank. Fuck off. Not not interested. Keep your stupid opinions and your 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 rah rah shit with cheerleaders to one side. This is England. This is football. 
um, not soccer. Gonna, uh, well, so not well let's let's not go too hard on Americans because obviously we've got some very good American managers and, and football players in this league. But um, do we? <laughs> do we really? I mean, anywhere. You're being very very um, diplomatic here, but I don't think we've got a gang of American listeners. So I'll I'll. I'll risk the fury of the American listeners. The fury of me? Do. I'm talking about Brendan Aronson and um, Tyler Adams and then obviously best manager in the league. Anyway, the big thing for me about this, I get the commercialised aspect of it and it won't work because there's just not enough time to fit in, especially this season. Can you imagine yeah. trying to fit that on with World Cup as well? Um, it would genuinely end up not being North v South. It would be Chelsea, Arsenal and Spurs versus Man U, Man City, City and, and Liverpool. Liverpool. What is the point? Yeah, I don't want to cheer on any of those teams. How do you choose the managers? Who pick? Who picks these? Sean teams? Dyche and Sam Allardyce. Fuck me. Right, no one's watching that. Are they? That, I can't think of a worst idea for two managers of a game of football than those two. That would literally be pick the most boring game of football ever. They'd be the two you'd pick, but only because I read a bit about this. The thing that made me laugh that, I, that brought this topic into into my radar was Chelsea's number two keeper, Kepa, chiming in on this point. And even though he's clearly number two at Chelsea, saying, yeah, yeah I'd be the number one for the South, which made, I, I saw and just made me laugh. Like, you're not even number one for your own club, sunshine. <laughs> like, <laughs> Back like, in your box. Yeah, exactly. Shut the fuck up. I know Mendy's injured, but um, yeah, I, not for me. I've got to be like, just a glorified, very... Okay, commercialised an American idea that I don't think particularly fits in with my idea, certainly of the Premier League and how we should play. I hate goal music, as it is, to be honest. So going from an absolute disdain for goal music to then, as you say, it'll probably be cheerleaders. Well, let I'll me get, before we know it, before we know it, where are we at? Well, game's in four quarters. Suddenly yeah. we've got a half-time in half-time for extra commercials and we've got someone singing at half-time. Oh, where the fuck do these ideas come from? It's just it's too much for me. And I think it's one of those suggestions for me as an owner that shows how little you know about football and how un-in touch you are with the fans of your own team. You could, as you say, you can hear that we're both relatively passionate about what a nonsense it is. It just feels you've come over here, you show you know nothing about football, and now you're chiming in with these stupid ideas. Get back in your box, you've owned Chelsea for two minutes. All right, you're a billionaire. Then give a fuck what you think. It would be like sacking your manager because he refused to sign a 37-year-old, aging, ex-best player of the world who hasn't really looked like he would fit in for your team. But who would ever do that? Um, let's move on to the final segment then. So not that much to talk about in terms of confirmed fights. Obviously, we've got the big one, but uh, boxing. So we've got Canelo and GGG. It's tomorrow. Or tomorrow night, technically, or Sunday morning, technically. Um, you're more excited for this than me. I think th- this is going to be, unfortunately, a bit of a walkover. For Canelo? For you think Canelo. he dispatches him? Yeah, unfortunately. I'd love to see Triple G absolutely smack his head off because just something I don't like about Canelo. I've never really liked him. Um, some of that just, I don't know, it, it gives off this vibe of someone who oh, I'm going to batter everyone. And it was fantastic to see him a little bit too far when Vivol just sparked him basically just took him to school um, but yeah I just think it's a fairly mundane not really excited for it just because I think I know what the outcome's going to be yeah I mean I think probably maybe I'm um, excited on past glories of the two previous fights and maybe I'm going to be wrong I think it will be good I don't think it will be as good as the first two as uh, I think in, the, in last week's episode Particularly for GGG, it, it, they've taken something out of each other. Those two fights were too much, and GGG far more than Canelo. It's never been the same since. Took a bit too much punishment, too tough for his own good. But if there's ever a chance to probably fight Canelo and capitalise on the fact that he lost against Bivol, on the fact that he's not quite as bit, you know, that that shot fight more than ever shows there's weight classes for a reason. You can't just bum up four or five weight classes and expect to be the man. You know that that's why there are weight classes in the first class in the first place is, is to stop that and to have some competitive nature. So I, I can't disagree with you. I think Canelo wins. I don't think he blasts him out. I think it probably goes to a decision. But I would have thought Canelo would win probably relatively easily on the decision. Unanimous. 
Yeah, unless we get a bit of G, you know Triple G of old, and he's you know he's he's been uh, very deliberately not fighting. Now uh, I remember um, Manny Pacquiao's trainer. What's his name? Um, at wildcard boxing. Uh, my tongue. Come back to it. Anyway, um, when Triple uh, uh, Matt Pacquiao got knocked out by Marquez. Um, his trainer said, right, you're not fighting for a year. No sparring, no nothing. You've just got face planted hard. And you wonder if Triple G has had some similar advice because of the punishment he took in those fights that, look, you need to back off a little bit. Freddie Roach, that's um, that's exactly who I was I was thinking of. Um, but that's some very sensible corner in there. Right, you're not fighting for, 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 for a year. You need to not even spar. You need to get your chin back and, and, and build yourself back up. So maybe there's an element of that, but... Um, I think it'll be a good fight, but yeah, I think probably Canelo wins. Agreed. Um, but as I say, that there's nothing other than that. Obviously, we've got the um, two big rumors. We've got the the rumors. We've only other big sort of confirmed fights are quite a distance away at this point. There's not really much point in talking about. Them. Obviously, Shields and uh, Marshall got rescheduled because of everything that's gone on with the crew. Is that confirmed for when they present, she said, which I think was it the 14th or 15th of October? Yeah, I think it was a provisional date. So I would assume that that's, because obviously they're still giving it big into each other as boxing these days always seems to has in it. But yeah, that's provisionally booked in, I think, as you said, for around the 15th or 16th of October. The big ones that have been talked about this week, nothing confirmed, obviously as get a lot of rumours in, in boxing and that's how it always seems to happen and then escalates into something bigger. We seem to be getting closer and closer to an AJ Fury agreement, which seems to be, I think it's the 3rd of December, or it's definitely the first week of December, um, shortly before one of the World Cup games, because England can technically play, I think, it's either the day of or the day after, if they finish second in the group um, of the World Cup, and that's rumoured to be nearly agreed and I think it's a 60-40 split rumours are that there's a 50-50 split uh, if AJ wins for a rematch and yeah I, I'm i still excited for it in the sense that I, stupidly I still think AJ knocks him out which I know that you think is absolute just lunacy but it, it does feel as though we're getting to the point where this is a little bit of desperation from AJ because it, it feels like this fight will ever happen if it doesn't happen now because Fury might just decide to retire at any point again and again and again. Um, <coughs> it does also feel that Fury is taking on AJ at his lowest moment. So he's on the back of two losses, lost his mind after that second loss and give that big speech. Um, doesn't seem to be in a fantastic place. Is it really the good, the best time for the public to be watching this fight? You'd love to see him obviously coming off the back of number of wins, and then it's this big mega fight with all the titles involved. But is there excitement still there? Yes, I think. But could the excitement be more? Definitely. Weirdly, so this I think maybe was in talks again, rumored last week. They seem to be regressing, but haven't signed anything. For me. I, I told you, it's, it's not the fight they should make. It's Fury Usyk for yeah. the undisputed. That's that's what the public, and again, maybe as a thinking of myself as maybe more of an educated fan than a casual fan, that's the fight because it's been since Le- we haven't had an undisputed champion since Lennox. Everyone wants to be the heavy undisputed heavyweight champion of the world. That that's the greatest title in probably all the sports to me. The heavyweight champion of the world that means something traditionally when you look at the people that have held those belts. You know that is the peak of sporting performance. And just to, the baddest fucking man on the planet. Who doesn't want to say that? It made sense because my understanding was that Usyk had said he didn't want to fight till next year. Yeah. What's subsequently come out, and for me has taken the shine off AJ Fury, is that Usyk is now talking talking about him talks with fighting Wilder. Mm-hmm. Now that makes no sense to me and is completely takes the shine off the other fight. I could understand Fury wanting to fight to keep, maybe he's, he's still in camp, he thinks, right, I, my, my time's running out, I'll keep busy. But, so I want to fight because, and, and then basically whoever wins that has that one belt, then would fight potentially Usyk next year when he comes back. What worries me about this, what happens if Wilder wins against Usyk, takes all those belts, Fury beats Joshua. No one wants to see Fury Wilder 4, 
and not being funny, if you were Fury, maybe that in his grand plan he's playing 4D chess here when we can't see it, he gets to be undisputed and smash Wilder again. But it, that, to me, puts a massive asterisk over that fight and potentially ruins what I think everyone wants to see, which is Usyk Fury for the undisputed. Agreed. I also think that the need or the want to have seen that fight completely disappears there. I think if Usyk gets knocked out by Wilder, you start to think, well, Joshua's not that good in the first place. And obviously, a lot of people don't think Joshua's good at all, which is another conversation for another podcast. But I still think that AJ has it in him. I just think, as we said in the last podcast, he's met his match with Usyk. And just some people hit that brick wall and you just can't beat it. At Fury Wilder? Yeah. Fury's got his number. And Wilder did have a good, especially in the third fight, did look as though he had something to hang on a minute. He's going to knock him out here. But even then, it's just unbeatable in that sense, um, in, in that particular fight. But we're thinking about this, and the logistics of it, I agree with, in the sense that no one wants to see that fight. But it just won't happen anyway. Because if AJ wins, oh sorry, if, if Fury wins and knocks out AJ, I think he'll retire. I think he will happily retire on that hill where I don't need to fight anyone else. Especially if Wilder beats Usyk. It's going to be, there's going to be some sort of rematch clause in that anyway, because there is in, in all these big fights. So you'd probably see Usyk Wilder too. At which point, Fury's like, well, what, what do I need to prove anymore? I've knocked out who I've called uh, a bum for my entire career and declared myself as the best Briton uh, of my generation. Nothing else to challenge. No one wants to see you know, Fury fight Joyce or Fury fight any of the, the up-and-comers. So you're just left then for Fury to retire and then whatever AJ does, whether he decides to try and clean up house again and go after Wilder or what, I just the excitement would go out of the division for me if those two fights end up as you say but I just don't think there's going to be any logistical nightmares because that's how boxing always works it always works itself out in the end no, that's a really decent shout something I hadn't really quite considered that yeah Usyk would definitely want to be putting a rematch clause in that if he did lose to Wilder so again that just kicks that can of that undisputed down the line again and isn't that boxing is capitalising on opportunities and timing but as much as I agree that I think Fury would want, you know, if that happens, he might want to retire. Equally, if he gets the chance to beat someone for the undisputed, which he's never held, even though he's the lineal, which is kind of, you argue, the, the real deal anyway, that the lineal heavyweight champs, the, the, the equivalent in some ways, but undisputed has a ring to it. You know, not, as you say, no one since, I think it was 2002, that Lennox Lewis last had it. There's a ring to that for me. And if you're at the peak of your sport like AJ and Fury, who doesn't want to retire having said, I held that. So uh, I think you're right, the clamour would go. But if I'm Fury, I think well, I take another easy fight. I get to beat someone I've already beaten twice, out of, two out of three times. Um, really, three out of three. Three out of three. There. He's got his number. Like you, that, Again, some people just in life come up against an opponent that we see it in football, just seem to have their number. Um, and I think, you, you, you know, that's a, a fair point. And again, all of that clamour and excitement that people have disappears. So I'll be honest, I was quite excited for Fury AJ. I think that Usyk Wilder adds an element of dissatisfaction into that whole um, them four uh, for me. Yeah, agreed. And it wouldn't be a tapping up podcast if I couldn't end this on your favourite subject because this was announced um, it was yesterday actually. So the uh, MF, which I think it stands for Misfits, I think that's what they're called, the MF and Dizone series number two, in which there are a number of fights. I'm just going to read out these fights and uh, have I ever heard of any of them? Even as a, as a boxing me. fan, have I ever heard of any of these people? <laughs> stop me as soon as you hear of one that you know. Slim versus Ryan Taylor. No. Swarmsy versus oh sorry Swarms I've got to get his name right Swarms versus Kristen Hamby. Uh, I know who this Swarms cat is purely from you talking about him when he fought that <laughs> YouTuber twat for two fights and got schooled. Um, so no, apart from that, I wouldn't have. Jay Swingler versus Churdleys. No. Just saying words. <laughs> it's like you're making sounds. You're not even saying words. Though. You're like literally like you're making sounds out of your mouth. What? There you go. There you go. Jack Bean versus Tom Zanetti. I do know who Tom Zanetti is only because my bird mentioned he's for DJ from Leeds, isn't he? Correct. So, um, again, don't know if he's got any experience, if he boxes in his 
free time if there's any like is he just taking some money uh for this like what again don't know enough about him but i have heard of him the best one so of all the ones that have been announced and again you're not going to know who this is and it depends on the the age range of the listeners um if i say this one so there's a fight that's astrid wet versus keely so you're not going to know who that is um this is a TikTok. They sound like women. This is a TikTok beef. So this Astrid Wet has um, an OnlyFans. <laughs> so, and you can look this up obviously after the podcast because uh, I don't want you to watch it while we're talking about this. But she weirdly, during one of the OnlyFans videos, held up a bottle of Prime Hydration. And do you know what that is? No. So Prime Hydration is the company that KSI and Logan Paul founded together. It's ridiculous. It's just basically... I thought they hated water. each other and fought. Oh, they did. But now they're in business together. This is how it works. It's quite clever, to be honest, because this is just literally a hydration drink. It is... Water. Probably just water, yeah. Let's call it what it is. Water. Expensive water. fucking water. Can't get it anywhere because it's sold out every single place that you go. If you go to Amazon, we had a look um, last night, funnily enough, on Amazon pack of nine bottles of flavoured water is £180. It's just ludicrous. But basically, she drunk a bottle of this while getting ploughed on this video and just so happens that she's on this event next. So I'm just completely sharing my age here and what a crazy world this is. And I have heard about it. I'm not just saying this, but I've never even been on OnlyFans. Like, <laughs> there's plenty of other porn sites out there if you wanted to look at that. If that's, that's your bag, I don't really see the... the the point in paying for this and i mean a hundred uh, that's literally blown my mind yeah i wouldn't have even known that um, so uh, i'll get you that for christmas save your money mate uh <laughs> buy me a bottle of water and give me 179 quid we'd be a far it and it'll taste better but um yeah that's all for this week uh thanks so much for listening as always ian will look to post some bets yeah uh, how are you doing at the moment on them bets a couple of bad weeks haven't uh, we so i mean we've been doing one a week i've i've i've, I've tried to resist the urge to do more um, Please do because I had I'm a bad, down I had a bad week, uh, two weeks in a row. So I think technically I've gone to two wins, three down. I'm always bound to say this, but the odds on the winners uh, were over eight to one, I think, on one and another one. So if we were doing a profit and loss, technically I would be up. But in terms of numbers, I'm three, two down. Uh, the only thing I'm going to shout out because there have been a constant, I think, in at least three of those five bets is the Portuguese second division leaders, Moranese, who continue to win every time in my bet for me. So touch wood, I'll be seeing if they're playing this weekend. They seem to have very good odds each time. And um, yeah, but um, th- 